Welcome to the Epic Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Carol Walker. Each week, I get to talk to amazing women about their epic adventures in motherhood. I'm so glad you joined us. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, friends. I know with staying at home and being a little bit cooped up, can be a bit of a challenge these days. I encourage you to go outside, get some sunshine. Even if it's cold, bundle up. A little sun on your face can make a big difference on a gloomy day and help break up the routine of this quarantine time. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you'll share it with your friends. This would be a great time to get somebody else hooked on the Epic Mom podcast. And I would love to have as many friends join us as possible. Hope you have an epic day. Hi, friends. I am so excited to welcome you to the Epic Mom Podcast today. Today, my guest is my very dear friend, Sarah Combs. She and I have known each other for longer than I feel like I've been alive, and she is just a joy and an inspiration, even amidst the many challenges and opportunities for growth that she's been given as a mom. So without further ado, here is my wonderful conversation with my fantastic friend, Sarah. Welcome to the Epic Mom Podcast. Today, my guest is my dear friend, Sarah Combs. And I have known Sarah for like almost 20 years, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I think it is like a long time since our children were tiny, tiny. And I'm so excited to have you join the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's so fun to be here. We'll just let you introduce yourself, like Sarah in 30 seconds or whatever. Okay. Um, So my name's Sarah Combs. I live in Texas and I've lived here most of my life. Um, I have four kids that range from 19 down to 13. So we have a home full of teenagers right now, which is super fun. Um, I've been a stay at home mom for most of those 19 years and just went back to working part time. So that's been fun and interesting. And hey, that's kind of me in a nutshell. There you go. You in a nutshell. So have you, did you always want to be a mom since you were little? Um, I think I always wanted to be a mom, but when I was in high school, school was very important to me and I had lots of aspirations and dreams of, um, what I wanted to be when I grew up and what kind of job I wanted to have and what kind of, and so I knew I wanted to be a mom, but not necessarily my dream to be a stay-at-home mom at that point yeah. anyways and then um but as I got just even just a little bit older going to college that kind of shifted where I loved still loved my school and my education but recognized that I think that my my calling was more going to be in my home with my kids not pursuing a career and how do you feel about that 20 years later I I wouldn't have changed anything. It's exactly what yeah. I needed to be. Yep. Is it super weird to get back into the workforce now? Yes. Yes. It so was what's, a little bit what's weird. weird about it? Um, so some of it is just, um, I feel like especially most everyone around me has been working. And so there was a little bit of a learning curve to, you know, just kind of get my skills back up where they were. I'm just doing like some, accounts payable and accounts receivable, nothing difficult, but something I hadn't done for a long time. So that was, that was a little bit weird, but now it's actually good. Um, it gives me some time 
to kind of be doing something productive, but not um, necessarily worrying about some of the things I worry about at home. Yeah, a little bit of a mental break that way. Yep, yep. But yeah. not. Um, I I think one of the one of the things that's been really helpful about me going to work is that I would do that sometimes. Like I need a mental break, and I would crawl into my covers and take a long nap. And so this is doing the same thing, but I'm being much more productive. <laughs> oh, that's genius. Yeah. And you're making money. So yes. even better. Yes. We could all make money crawling <laughs> in our covers, taking a nap. That'd be awesome. But instead, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And then a sense of accomplishment, I imagine. Yes. For yeah. So, the things that yeah. You're doing. so it's making yeah. me feel much better, right? Because the nap was lovely, but then there was guilt and I should have been doing other things. And I, you know, anyway. So this is much better. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you have two sons mm-hmm. with Duchesne's. Yes. Yes. And mm-hmm. I wonder if you would be willing to kind of talk about that, about like how you discovered and kind of your journey along this process of these two fantastic boys. Sure. Um, so my oldest son, Baden, was three and a half um, and I was expecting my third child um, in in September. So I, and I started noticing just before I was about to have my baby, I started noticing that um, he walked on his tiptoes, which I had known for a long time. And it was just, you know, he just looked super cute. And, and I started thinking, you know, he's getting a little bit older. We need to probably not be in the habit of walking on our tiptoes. And so I started trying to remind him to walk flat and quickly noticed that he could not stand flat footed without really adjusting his, his hips. And, you know, it was not, it was not easy. And so um, I thought, let's go to the doctor and get this figured out before I have this brand new baby. And so we went to our pediatrician. He thought that maybe he just had really tight heel cords and that worst case, we might have to have a, you know, a surgery to lengthen that heel cord. And so then he sent us to physical therapist who um, actually at the time he had several other things that he did that as a, as a new mom, I didn't notice anything different, but he, he did several things that led her to really believe that, that he had Duchenne and she didn't tell me that at first, but later on said, I knew, I knew the minute I saw him exactly um what his, really? what his diagnosis would be yeah but she sent us to a neurologist right because the, phys- yep. the physical therapist can't make that diagnosis so she sent us to a neurologist and blood work and so that all was um kind of early august and by the beginning of december we had this new diagnosis that he had duchenne muscular dystrophy which is um a genetic disorder that you're muscles are missing a protein called dystrophin, um, which kind of keeps your muscles stable. Um, all of our muscles break down as we use them and that protein builds them back up again. And there's, is just, um, just missing that. And so their body, it's just a very slow digressive, um, muscle wasting disorder pretty much is what it's called. And so, so that was just before he turned four that we got that diagnosis. Um, which kind of rocked our world a little bit because um, a lot, a lot. It actually, yeah, a lot. Yeah. Because um, I think, especially with him being our first, and we had, you know, you have all these in, kind of 
aspirations and dreams for your kids and what they will become. And um, it just completely shifted all of that. It was going to make his life very different from what we had imagined his life to be. Um, now he's 19 now. So 15 years down the road, um, his life has been absolutely wonderful. And that, that struggle um, has brought blessings to our family as well as hard. It is very hard, but also it's um, kind of shaped all of us in ways that we could not have been shaped otherwise. So, yeah, I love that perspective that it, it changes you, but it doesn't mean it has to be a destroying thing. Just, just different than, yeah. Yeah. So, so cause that you and I were friends when Mm -hmm. you were going through all of that, like not friends. I mean, course we were friends but we 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 were living in the same neighborhood and seeing each other all the time and our kids played together and and that that was that was really hard Mm -hmm. time it was so what are some of the resources that you use to be able to uncover um, tools that you needed and to find the help that you needed to be able to get him help and also to just know what to do um I, I feel like some things I had to discover and then some things I felt like like the Lord just would kind of plop them in our path. Um, just because, um, where we live in flower mound, we're kind of right in between Dallas and Fort worth. And so both of those larger cities have children's hospitals and my pediatrician at the time lived in grapevine was, you know, closer toward that Fort worth. And so the neurologist that we'd gone to at that children's hospital Um, while he saw patients with Duchenne definitely wasn't, um, kind of a scholar in that field. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know that at the time, that's just who we were referred to. And I had several people say to me, you need to go see, um, we call her Dr. I, you need to go see Dr. I at Scottish Rite and, and going to to Scottish Rite Hospital required, you know, an application process. And at first my thought was, we already have this doctor and it's just fine. Um, But after several people had told me that we needed to go there and just kind of randomly, like, you know, oh, I read this article or I heard about this doctor. It's not even because they knew her. We decided to do that. And that really shaped and changed because um, she is kind of one of the leading doctors in, in the Duchenne community. And so that really changed that I remember when we went to go see her the first time she said are you looking you know I I think they thought we were there for a second opinion as if we didn't believe the diagnosis you know are you looking for a different answer and we said oh no like we know we know what that is but um anyway that that so that alone was a big deal to make that switch um and then I we've really just tried to follow what the Lord would have us do. Um, a lot of the families that I know in this Dallas area, they actually fly, you know, across the country to go see another doctor and, and it's long and it's taxing. And, and so we've kind of lived with this mindset that, you know, this, this disease, it is what it is. Like there's nothing we can do to stop it. There's things we can do to prevent it, but we're also going to try to live our lives as normal as possible. And so 
we have this really good doctor here that we felt that we've been blessed to find and we don't need to go flying all over the country and, right. and disrupting our family life in that way. Now, if it was going to make these huge medical improvements, but just not, not a lot of difference. And so um, anyway, so that's what we've kind of done. And then I've tried, I feel really blessed to be, to have my church community because I've never really felt like I needed other support systems because we live by our family and we have all this great church support. Um, But it has been really great having, I have a small group of moms that I um, am friends with that I have great friends who love me and they support me, but they don't get it exactly what, what it's like having, having um, Duchenne as part of your life. And so it's nice to have these moms that have done that. I really appreciate um, the moms I know that are about five years down the road that, you know, their, their, their son is about five years older than Baden because they've done it and they're, you know what I'm saying? And then, yeah, so, for sure. So I, that's been a blessing to me. And so I've tried to be that to other families as well. So yeah. Be there five, so that you can, down the road. yeah, someone can pour into you and then you can pour into someone else. Yeah. The, yeah. Cause we need that. Yeah. We need that. Yeah. We need that in mothering and we need that if we have different special needs we're dealing with and yeah. And just in life, it's awesome. So then, so now you've got a little four-year-old mm-hmm. newly diagnosed and a tiny baby yep. and there for a while, it just seemed like everything was pretty normal, right? Like Baden was still able to get around and yep. at what point did things start getting more difficult for him physically? And then what made you decide to have baby number four? Um, well, so, so I said earlier, it was, it's genetic Duchenne is, and, um, it's called an X it's, it's genetic on the X link. I'm not, I'm going to get all those phrases, right. But that means females, moms carry Duchenne and can pass it on, um, to their children. And so, um, but it doesn't run in my family. And so we actually, um, we were hopeful that Baden was what they call a spontaneous mutation, that it wasn't genetic from us. It just, as his little body was forming, it just happened. Um, And so I, when he was first diagnosed, they offered to have me go and be tested. And we just decided as a couple that we felt like the other children were supposed to come to our home and that they came to our home healthy. And so it didn't, it just didn't matter um, if we knew that I was a carrier or not, we would just kind of take that as it came. And so um, Porter was born about two years later. So Baden was almost six. Um, and with him, we, um, because Baden was already a confirmed, you know, that, we knew that Porter's DNA test would look the exact same as Baden's. So it was really easy to test him. And he was tested. We knew he had Duchenne when he was about a month old. Yeah. Because they just had to do a blood draw and then compare it to his brothers. They didn't, it wasn't quite as invasive of testing. And so, so that's kind of how that, that happened. We just felt like other, another, at least one more baby was coming to our, to our home. And now because he was 
um, also had Duchenne, that was much more proof that I probably was a carrier. And then because it wasn't genetic in my, you know, didn't run in my family that, that I was probably this spontaneous mutation. Um, oh, okay. So, because nobody else, I've helped nobody else has. Yes. And yeah. so with that comes, um, so any, any male, any boys that I have, have a 50% chance of having Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And then any girls I have, have a 50% chance of being a carrier of muscular dystrophy. So, so have you, have you since been tested or you don't need to be? Because I, well, I actually just was about, um, four months ago. Um, one, it's really an interesting, I, genetics work so weird, right? So I, as a carrier, um, so I have one X that has this Duchenne, um, mutation on it. And then my other X is normal and healthy. And so that's how there's that 50%. I, I can pass on my, my healthy X to one of my children or my not healthy X. And so, um, my girls will get a healthy X from dad. So that's, that's why they can only be, they would just be a carrier. Um, and then, Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah, but boys only have one X. So if I pass my not healthy pass X, to them, yeah. X to them, then they have and they it. Just have it. Right. Wow. So, um, anyway, so, but as a carrier, I won't have symptoms like my boys where, where I can't walk or I can't do those things, but I can have some very similar cardiac issues. And so um, I've been for a couple of years, um, my boy's doctor has been telling me I needed to go see this cardiologist who had started an adult Duchenne cardiac clinic, which is fantastic because when Baden was first diagnosed, they didn't have things like adult Duchenne care clinics because most of them didn't make it to be adults. And and that has since changed that um, when Baden was diagnosed, they told us the life expectancy was late teens, but he just turned 19 and he's doing really well and he's really healthy. And, and a lot of, a lot of these boys diagnosed with Duchenne are now living to be men. And that, that wasn't the case 15 years ago. So that's a really good thing. But so this doctor sees adult Duchenne, you know, men with Duchenne, and then he also sees carriers and so I went to him and the first thing he does is he wants to confirm that you're a carrier. And so I finally went and had that DNA testing done. So I am, I was confirmed a carrier and then we've done all these heart testing and I take some similar heart medications to my boys now. And so, um, but one thing he, he recommended that my oldest daughter, Brooklyn, who is 17, um, that she come in and be tested because the earlier he can start monitoring her her cardiac care, the healthier her heart can be. Um, and so we haven't, we haven't been able to fully make that decision. That's a big decision for her to go do. Yeah. So. Cause it's so impactful for future choices. Right. I could see how you might not want to know. Yes. And she's kind of on the fence. She's like, cause well, cause she said not knowing is almost just as hard as knowing. Cause, because it's there kind of, hanging over well it's there either way right yeah like yeah Yeah. it's one way or another it's not like someone who doesn't even have this in their family that it's not something they ever worry about but it's a well and it will yeah it will impact her if she dates people if you know if she ever dated anybody seriously that would have to be talked about I think it was probably easier in my case that I was completely blind to it at least in that point in my life for sure 
Oh, right? for sure. Right. It didn't have to be a conversation in a, about, about marriage, but I also feel like um, with my girls, whether they're a carrier or not, it's a great conversation to have, like, how will we deal with if X, Y, Z happens? Cause we never know what kind of things are going to come. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's, they can be as prepared as they can be and still who knows yep. what will happen. Right. Right. Yeah. So can you um, talk to me about how, how life has been in terms of like the disease progressing for Baden and then also for Porter? Cause I know that like, is Porter wheelchair bound now yes. or, uh-huh. okay. Yes. Cause last time I visited you, he wasn't. he wasn't. Right. But that's been many years ago. Yeah. So yeah, just talk to us about like that and like what does a, a day in the life look like for you guys now? Um, okay. Um, I, I think you asked me earlier and I didn't answer about when we started, when that started being more difficult for Baden. I think yeah. our life felt pretty normal for quite some time. I, so Baden couldn't, you know, run and keep up with kids on the playground super easy, but um his personality is such, and also some of his interests are such that that wasn't really, he wasn't the kid that wanted to go run on the soccer field. And so he just found other things to do like at recess when things were physical. Um, Yeah. um, But other than that, things felt mostly normal. And then for him, it was, as we started entering middle school, I think he was in fifth grade when we first got a manual wheelchair for him. And he would use it at school, like, um, so his sister would push him into school. But when he was in his classroom, he, he would get out of his chair and, and, and could walk like those short distances. It just became kind of longer distances that were tricky to walk. And then. Um, just because of fatigue, is that by the is time that he just is just wear him out right. to try and get from right. point A to point yep. B? Yep. Yes. And so by the time he was the middle of sixth grade, so just before he turned 12, um, he became fully, he was fully wheelchair bound um, where he couldn't, he couldn't transfer or put weight on his legs at all. Um, And so that's, that's how long. And then he got, I think we got his power chair about six months after that, just as sixth grade was ending. So he's been in a power wheelchair for that long. Um, Porter has progressed a little bit differently. It's interesting because you know that their DNA looks exactly the same and everything. Yeah. You know, that their bodies technically look the same, but um, he's been a little bit different. And so he just, he's 13 and a half and he just got his power chair. Well, we've, we've had it for a while, but um, it's interesting with the two Badens was we almost live a little bit reactively (laughs) like we react as his body changes but then with porter because we kind of can we know what to expect a little bit more we're a little bit more proactive i think that's parenting in a nutshell he he had a power care we're all very reactive to the first child and more proactive to the other children (laughs) absolutely so um but he was still walking quite a bit um even last year the same like he had a friend that would push him in his manual chair as they moved between classes and some of that was fatigue some of that was also some balance and it's not really safe for him to walk in a crowded hallway where i mean a little bump to somebody else but a little bump to porter could 
send him down to the floor. So he would use a, a wheelchair to get it to and from classes, but then would still walk um, in class. But then last summer, he actually slipped on some water in our house and ended up breaking oh my his goodness. leg. Like, just <laughs> broke his femur. We didn't know at the time. He's my tough, like, I don't show pain. And so... We knew, we knew he had hurt his leg, but I thought, you know, he just kind of stretched, stretched his muscles too hard. And anyway, but after, uh, I think this, after about two weeks that we still were struggling, we decided, okay, something else is going on here. But he, I mean, he's just super tough and nothing swole, nothing got bruised, nothing yeah, looked no, out of the ordinary. That's a totally and, realistic and, thing to have happen. You know, like every, yeah. yeah. And, and he's very much, they're very different. Baden has like zero pain tolerance. And so if anything happens to him, everyone knows. And Porter, I think as he's watched that and his brother, like has taken the opposite approach. Like I don't, I don't need to bother anybody. And so I can just tough this out. So when we got x-rays back and they're like, his femur's broken straight through, we had a discussion about how we can tell people that we're hurting without oh, it being wow. dramatic and <laughs> make a guy. So, um, and, and so one of his biggest things was he was really mad. He said um, he wasn't going to stop walk Like he was going to stop walking on his terms, like not because he broke his leg, but like, so that, that boy, I think we had to stay off of his leg for about six weeks. And then he, we had a physical therapist that came to our house twice a week and he worked really hard and got to where he could walk on it again, not in our home. Like basically like he could walk from the living room to his bedroom with me hovering around him, making sure we weren't going to fall. Um, and then his body let him have that for a few weeks. And then, and then he just kind of deteriorated a little bit. So, so he was on his feet, more mobile, much longer than Baden. And he, in fact, now can still transfer, um, which means I can help him stand from his wheelchair. And then he's hanging on to my neck and I've got my arms around him and we can walk from his bed to the bathroom. Yeah. So, which, which that Baden had lost that much earlier. I mean, he was still 11 and Porter's 13 and a half. So that, that makes things a little bit easier, but um, so that's kind of how they're, how they've progressed. Um, and I'm talking about, they've lost their ability to walk, but Duchenne also, it affects all of their muscles. And so it's their, their legs, like arms, every, anything that moves, but also all your heart and your um your digestive tract, your lungs, like it's all muscle. And so they all start to be affected. So my boys are both very healthy, but Baden um, being older, he does have some di digression in his, you know, his heart function and his lung function. Um, not enough that's keeping him from being healthy, but, but we, we are aware of that, especially right now during this kind of crazy world stuff where, um, any illness that might affect like his lungs and breathing is a, a big deal. Right. For yeah, our family. I would, so. I would think so. So, so, so what yeah. are you doing about that? Like, how do you keep him healthy? How do you keep him from catching every little thing? Um, so, so my boys are considered immune suppressed because they have some 
lower function in their heart and lungs. And then um, also because one of the protocol for Duchenne is they take um, prednisone, which is a steroid, which can lower your immune system. But we just have been really lucky and they don't get sick. They just, they don't get sick very, very often at all. So we just, we try to be extra careful. If one of us gets sick, yeah. we try to yeah. stay away. Keep your germs from to yourself. Um, and then I think right now we probably are, are quarantining ourselves, self-isolating ourselves more than other people, which much to my teenage girls <laughs> <Right>. dismay because <laughs> they're a little bit yeah. bored. But, but we're just trying to make sure that we yeah. stay safe and as We're possible. doing the same so. for similar reasons for, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what does like a typical routine look for, look like for you guys? Because your boys require so much help to just get in and out of bed, like you're saying and stuff. So like, talk me through like your normal yeah. get up and get going routine. Um, so, um, the, I think the most time consuming part of my day is, is morning and getting everybody ready. Um, we actually um, did kind of a remodel. We added some to our house and kind of did some things to make it more wheelchair accessible. Um, and so my boy, we call it the boys wing, but um, the, we added two bedrooms and they share um, a wheelchair accessible bathroom. And so that has just, we, we have really loved kind of that setup we have and we know a family that has twins with Duchenne and they had done some remodeling. We went to their house and said, if there was something different that you could, that you would have done, you know, what would you have done different? Like this is working great, but looking back, what would you have done different? And they said, we would have put two toilets in the bathroom. And that seemed a little bit strange, but when we were building ours, we thought, you know what, the way this is set up, this will be perfect. So we have this great bathroom and, um, so getting my boys up usually means I wake Baden up and I get <coughs> I get him going in the restroom and then I get Porter up and move him. Porter's a little bit faster so I can um, get Baden started on things that take him a little bit longer and then move Porter through. And so <coughs> my our morning getting the boys out of bed and using the restroom and showering. Um, probably takes us about 45 minutes. To and an is hour. it a two man job or so, you're able to kind um, of do it? Just <coughs> No, I, I do it mostly, mostly um, uh, just that's kind of the way our morning works. Now it used to be much more um, two man. So I'm trying to think we've been in our home for about three years. And before that, any um, lifting, anything that we were doing with Baden, um, his dad would do. So he would carry him from the bed to the toilet and then carry him to his chair that went into the shower and then carry him. And that was becoming very taxing on everyone. Um, and I, as I said before, it's all of your muscles. And so that worked for a while when Baden could hang on, but as his upper body lost strength as well, that became a much harder task yeah. to carry someone who can't hang on. Um, and so when, when, when we got back into our home, we were able to get um, a Hoyer lift, which was just life changing. And the best way to describe that, it's kind of just this machine that looks a little bit like a, um, it's, it kind of has a sling that fits around Baden and then we hook it to the Hoyer lift 
and then you crank it and it just kind of lifts him up and then I can wheel him and he's kind of hanging on this little contraption and then I can wheel him over to the, you know, the toilet and then we can lower him down. And anyway, that's been life changing. And so now even, you know, my, my mom will watch our boys if Dan and I have, have gone out of town for a weekend or, or something, even my mom who would not be able to lift that's amazing. At all can come and oh, take care that's of him. Amazing. That's been life changing. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that makes it much easier because we're not there. It's still, it's still labor, yeah. you know, it's still it, take, take some work to do, but not quite so much heavy lifting. That, so oh, that makes it much easier. So many new technologies and ideas and yeah. help. No wonder they're living longer because there's so many other things and it sure is a help to the care, caretakers, I imagine. So yes. you are just yep. a hopeful, yep. happy person. And I am wondering how, what do you do so that you can continue to look forward with hope with your boys? Um, I, (laughs) that's a tricky question. I, for me, my faith is what comes first. And if I am doing things to fill that cup, um, I'm, it's much easier for me to be happy and hopeful about my voice. If, if I'm making sure that that is full, that I have that testimony that, um, this life is tricky and hard, but, my boys will one day have these whole bodies and be able to experience all the things that were hard here. Um, and so that's kind of my number one. Um, and then I, I actually, this, just this past year, this, this last year has been a little bit strange for our family. And I actually struggled with some mental health, um, earlier, earlier this fall. And I really feel like, um, for me to stay hopeful and positive about um, my boys and even just our family in general, that I really need to take time and work on myself. And I've really for a long time been someone that's like, but I, but I need to be more giving. I don't need to focus on me. I need to be more giving. And I've really come to learn that, that that's a really important thing. Um, And that doesn't mean that I need to go on, you know, girls vacations by myself and I don't need to go to the spa and I don't need it, but I do need some to do some self-reflecting and yeah, that take that care of me self-care as well. looks different so. for everybody, you know, but, um, <clears throat> but everybody mm-hmm. needs it. Mm-hmm. So taking the time to discover what it yes. means for you, what yeah. is it that you're just like, okay, I can handle it. Yeah. 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 Um, so one thing, um, as my, my younger kids this year, um, have started um, the, a new, their new program at church where they're like picking goals. Um, so I've, I've kind of taken that and thought, well, I, I think I could set some goals and learn some new skills and do some things. And um, I don't do it enough and I'm not very good at it, but I've started looking at like meditating and just taking some time and, or pondering, which is something I've never been really good about. And, and, and I think yeah. that has been, um, it's been really good for me and I can't wait to see as I try to work more on, on that skill, like how that will bless me and our family. So, um, but I, I really think for me personally, when my faith and then just making sure that I'm healthy mentally and in a good place is how I can be the best mom and the best caretaker for them. I'm quickly realizing that that is two different things. 
um, that being a caretaker can oftentimes feel very, um, um, just, it's just like this work that you have to do. Um, and I've had to almost like separate and like make those two things. Like I'm caretaker right now. And now I'm, I love that. And what does mom look like? That's different. Um, so because I, cause I can be mom and we don't have to, we don't, we're not dwelling on the fact that, um, it's harder to lift our arm today or it's harder to do this today. And it's hard, you know, when I'm being caretaker, I'm, I'm really kind of looking and watching and seeing, is there something we need to be doing differently? What's going on now? What has changed? Um, you know, and, and I feel, and that's different than mom. I try to push all that. And so mom can just talk about the day and friends and, and normal stuff and, and, all the normal stuff Correct. that you talk about when you're and 13 and 19. Right. So, yes. so how do you feel, yes. how do you think this has like yes. impacted your daughters? Because <laughs> we've talked a lot about your boys, but how has this impacted your daughters? Uh-huh. And what kinds of things do you do, you know, for them that are just for them? So I, I do. Um, one of the things that is impact them is we are not, um, as a family, we don't do a lot of active things. And by that, I mean, like our vacations don't ever involve right. hiking or, you know, then half any the of those things that would require lots of that. That's just not what our, yeah. And so that's not what our family does. And so um, trying to find times where they can experience that and, um, you know, have that bucket filled. Cause I know that that's really important for them as cause they're, cause their lives are very different. So, and, and there's other things too, but just making sure that they're able to not um, completely miss out on some of those things. And yet they're very good at recognizing like, this is a, a family endeavor. And so sometimes, sometimes our family won't do things that other families gets to go do and that that's yeah. okay. Um, so that's kind of a tricky balance. Um, but I, I have noticed my girls are probably a little bit quicker. I'll compare them to myself when I was a teenage girl. They're much quicker than I was to notice someone who is not the same as everybody else and, and kind of seek them out and see how they can help them. That's not uncomfortable that. to them. Um, when, I, when I was going to... Um, to, when I was in college, I had a roommate that um, would go once a week and do adaptive aquatics with kids with special needs. And she invited me to come. And I was like, that feels way out of my comfort zone. I do not think that I could do that. And like, looking back now, I think, <laughs> oh, I should have gone and done that. Maybe I would have learned what I needed to learn. Um, but, but I appreciate that that's something that my girls, that that wouldn't be something that made them uncomfortable. So that's, that's a huge one. Gift. I think it's a skill and a, a yeah. great, great thing I that they've that. learned. Yep. So besides meditating, what are, which yeah. I, I, every time I read about meditating, I'm amazed at the things they say it helps with, you know, like everything from anxiety to depression to even I know. It'll, and you'll I, live longer. You can think clearer. I, I'm amazed. Yeah. Yep. So what are some other things that you do yep. that are just to take care of Sarah? 
Um, so I, this takes care of me, but also it's really important for both of us. Um, Dallin, my husband and I, we, we make sure that we get time away. Um, because that looks very, yeah. I, I think that's important for all couples, all marriages. It is important that you're working on that relationship and that means doing it away from the kids. However, whatever that might look like, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go away on vacation, but whatever that, you know, however that works for you, that's really important for us to go away and be able to just be the two of us and not, not all of those things. Um, one of the things I, and I talked about our, our morning routine with the boys, um, eve, you know, so get, there's the morning and then there's evening and getting them into bed. And that's kind of a process again. Um, but um, usually throughout the night, um, the boys will wake us up several times. Um, Baden can't, at this point, he can't roll in bed. He can't. So if he needs, you think about when you sleep, how many times you toss and turn and adjust and shift. And, and so there's oftentimes we'll have to go in and shift his hip or move his pillow or whatever, whatever he needs to do to be a little bit more comfortable. Um, and it's probably very similar right, right. to when you have a newborn baby, not quite as time consuming, right? Because we go shift, bait, move him. He's good. He goes back to bed. We go back to bed. Um, but it's still this uninterrupted sleep. And so for me, that's really important for me to fill my bucket is to get some time away where even if it's two nights yeah. that nobody wakes me up, then that's marvelous because I think sleep is a huge a huge, really important thing too, with your, all, with all those things, just like we talked about med- meditation, like for your physical health, your mental health, all those things. I'm, I'm able to be much more, um, we have I can sleep. take care of the boys much better when I <laughs> rest is so important. So maybe, maybe you, yeah. sh- even though you're working part-time now, you should still yeah. take a nap now and then I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, well, and I do. Yes. No, I am. I am known often to to lay down and take no, a nap. I, they, I, I don't good. think naps are naps bad are at good. all. Naps at are all. good. What yeah. encouragement mm-hmm. could you give to other moms, maybe a mom that is just looking at their child and going, oh my gosh, you never put your heel down. Or even moms that are in the thick of it with a special needs child. What kind of encouragement could you give them? Um, I, I think, um, my biggest thing is to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that, that love you. And um, having kids with a special need can feel a little bit isolating. And, and sometimes it feels isolating and it's not even because there's not people around you. Um, It's just hard for other people to understand what you're going through. So I, our family, I've tried to be a little bit transparent and I, um, I think I'm doing a better job of that now than when I was younger of um, it's okay to tell your friends and the people that love you that you're struggling and that you're having a hard time. It's okay to, to say that you don't have to be strong and perfect um, all the time, because when we can say I'm really struggling, then, then the people that love us can give us the lift that we need. Um, it's the same. I love when I'm able to serve the people that I love. And so I'm, I'm trying to be better at letting other people serve me um, and being more. And so it's okay to, to do that. Um, but also I just, 
I also feel like when you have a child with special needs that you just have to kind of be just a little bit more relaxed and find the happy in the middle of the heart because it's there. I think that's great advice because it is there sometimes, but sometimes we do kind of like the difference between being the constant caretaker and being the mom. Sometimes we have to take that hat off and be like, okay, all of Mm -hmm. these things are not changing, but what good can I find in this? Yeah. 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 And then, and then, well, and the umbrella of having a child with spe- yes. special needs is very, very large. Um, yes. You know, my boys have this special need. It's all physical. They, they um, they're very intelligent and smart. And in all, in all that regard, they're very normal. Um, you know, that th- they don't have any special needs in that area. I also know there's special needs that to me seem much harder, and especially as you, you know, kids with special needs that they have mental challenges or emotional challenges. It, there's so many different things. Um, for us, for our family, I, we've also tried to make um, our life be typical. I'm going to use typical? the word normal and I don't know if that's my favorite word, but um, yeah, right. Like my boys have chores and they don't look like the same chores that my girls have. Right. But they do family work and they, they participate and they do they do all those same things that everybody else in our family that's able-bodied does. There's looks a little bit different, but you know, you don't right. get away with can, something just because. Well, it's not completely dissimilar to, to the two-year-old still needs to pick up the toys that so. he just dumped out. He's two; he can totally do it. You're not going to have him scrub the bathroom right. down. Yeah, but right. Yeah, yeah, I love that perspective. Just right. keeping things as right. yeah Fair. as typical and normal as you can. I love it. But meeting everybody where they're at. Gosh, Sarah, you are just so full of hope and inspiration. And I really, really appreciate your willingness to come and be on the podcast today and share your happy light. Thanks for joining me. Wow. Didn't you just love that conversation that I had with Sarah, her hope and joy and just the peaceful way that she conquers the world every day is so impressive to me. And I am so thankful for her vulnerability in sharing the struggles and ways that she's overcome things, especially over the last few years with all of life kind of overwhelming her and what she did to kind of find her equilibrium again. I hope that you gained as much from our conversation as I did. Make it an epic day. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the Epic Mom podcast as much as I'm enjoying making the episodes. Each woman that I have interviewed has been so inspiring to me, and I hope she has been to you. If you know of an epic mom that you'd like to see on the show, drop me a line and give me her contact information or ask her to reach out to me. I would love to meet more epic moms. You can reach me at messaging through the podcast or at walker.carol at gmail.com. Make it an epic day. Tune in next week when I have a conversation with my Jody mom. She is married to my dad and she is amazing. You won't want to miss this episode. <laughs>